0: Hi, welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the HSUS. I'm Kelly, and today we're talking about a new report that shines a light on trophy hunting, which is a form of hunting where parts of the killed animal are kept and displayed as trophies. Uh, Today, our guest, our special guest is Sarah Veach, who is the Director of Wildlife Policy for Humane Society International. Welcome, Sarah, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, so Sarah, that definition that I gave of trophy hunting, is that correct? Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, you're
1: absolutely correct. And I just wanted to also expand on that to say that the primary purpose of trophy hunting is to get that trophy, to put it on the wall, to have that rug on the floor. It's not for the primary purpose of food, which is subsistence hunting. So that's a very clear distinction that we need to make Um, And just to note the fact that there's an entire industry built around trophy hunting and around the wealth and pageantry of the practice. Um, And the point of it is to promote their own interests over those of the animals and the communities that depend on them. Um, And just to kind of expand and say that trophy hunting is both a domestic and an international activity. So on the international side, um, trophy hunters will always travel abroad to hunt exotic animals for fun and even for competitions as well. Um, and it includes and threatened and endangered species. Um, and then they'll bring their bodies or the par- parts of the bodies back into the United States.
0: Thanks, Sarah. And so we are, and just to be clear again, I want to make sure uh, our listeners understand this. We're not talking about someone is hunting to feed their family. This is for a trophy, something to hang on the wall, put on the floor, put on a bag or for simply bragging rights, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right, So let's, okay. So I mentioned this report that I referenced. Let's get into that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the report. If you can give me kind of an overview, what does it cover? What kind of span of time are we talking about here?
1: Absolutely. So we found a need to look at, um, at, at answering the question of what is the scope of trophy hunting around the world? Um, and so where are the leverage points to then start addressing it? So what we did with this report is we looked at the international trade of hunting trophies as it's recorded um, under the Convention on International Trade and Endangered Species. That convention requires countries to report their trade activity. Do they import hunting trophies? Do they export hunting trophies? And kind of keep track of it that way. Um, And if they're reporting on these species, it means that species is listed, it's covered under this convention. And if it's covered under this convention, then those species are either at risk of extinction um, due to trade or they may become um, at risk of extinction due to trade. So these are uh, internationally regulated species that are in trouble or on the verge of trouble. Um, and so when looking at that data, we're looking at the years 2014 to 2018, because that's the latest year that we have complete global data as reported to CITES. Quite a few of the countries are late on reporting their trade data to CITES. So that's the scope of it, right? That's Those are the specific trophies that we're looking at. Um, and I'd like to note that because the focus of this report is specifically on those internationally protected species that have been reported mm-hmm. for import and export, this report is actually a significant underrepresentation of the number of animals killed every year for trophy hunting, because there are thousands of animals that aren't listed under this international convention that are still trophy hunted and traded. They're just not reported. So that's- so the
0: numbers of- are actually, it sounds like then the numbers, the report highlights are conservative. I mean, there's Absolutely. a lot more animals killed than what this report shows. Absolutely. Okay. And who so let's let's talk a little bit about some of the specifics in countries. So who who is the largest importer of these kind of uh, trophies? By far, the
1: United States. The the next three top 3 importers on the list are Germany, South Africa and Spain and their numbers don't even start to come close to the imports that the
0: US has. So how many, well, let's talk about the numbers then. And that's, you know, a shame we're, of course, uh, recording here from the States and we are all from here. Um, Not a list that we want to be on as citizens, but um, let's talk about the numbers. So how many trophies are we bringing into the U.S. during this time span, 14 to 18? I think you said that the report covers. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. Over those five years, the U.S. imported over 72,600 trophies. Um, and that constitutes 75% of the global trophies traded. So of all the, the trophies that are circulating around the world, 75% of them came to the US um, and over 10,000, notably over 10,000 of those trophies were from animals who are threatened or endangered and supposedly protected under the US Endangered Species Act.
0: So that over 70,000 that's coming just into the US. That's not counting the other countries that are importing these trophies. Right. And how so how many countries are we bringing them in from? I mean
1: Yeah, so the US imported uh trophies from 59 countries. Um but the biggest numbers came from Canada. Um so our Canadian imports accounted for 68% of the the total that we imported, um as well as South Africa. And for Canada, the U.S. imported an insane number of black bears. There are over yeah. 4,800 black bear trophies imported. I
0: was going to ask because I'm not surprised to hear South Africa, but I think I am a little surprised how many trophy uh, trophy, hunting animals that we are bringing in from Canada.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. They're a major trade partner. Um, and we have different kinds of reporting laws between Canada and the U.S. And it's such an easy trip, relatively for uh, our wealthy Americans to hop up to Canada, hunt their black bears um, on shorter trips or longer trips, and bring them back into the us. Um, so we see a, a massive number of them being killed
0: and imported and so if they're uh, so they're coming back into the us and I assume legally, and what who's who's watching this? who's in charge of it? who's kind of monitoring what is coming back from hunters?
1: That would be the u s Fish and Wildlife Service. So when a hunter wants to import a trophy from a species that's listed under the International Convention um, or the U.S. Endangered Species Act, meaning they're at risk of extinction or they may become at risk of extinction, um, they have to obtain a permit authorizing that import from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So the agency is supposed to determine at the very least that the import isn't detrimental to the survival of the species. And at the very most, they're supposed to determine that it actually works to enhance the survival of the species. And from what we've studied and what our partners have seen on the ground, trophy hunting does not enhance the survival of the species. And we really think that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is wrong to continue authorizing these imports.
0: Okay, so we have a government agency that is overseeing this. And I mean, we could argue, I guess, on should this be happening or not? Obviously, we don't think it should be happening. Um, but there is an agency overseeing it. What? I mean, that's like all government agencies. They serve the American people. So I would guess most people don't support this.
1: Nope, not at all. So 70% of Americans oppose trophy hunting. Um, we helped commission a public opinion survey from a third party uh, last year in 2022. And they found that the majority um of Americans oppose trophy hunting in general. But then that number jumps up to, all the way up to 82% of Americans in opposition when asked if they support the trophy hunting and import of African lions and elephants, which are clearly high profile species, but also some of our most endangered.
0: Wow, so overwhelmingly, I mean, that's well over majority, 70% that oppose this. So what type of, I mean, what type of animals are we talking about here? And you've mentioned a few
1: yeah we um looking at the data over the la over those specific five years the us imported trophies from a hundred different species so a very big range of species um from all around the world um uh, the the top ones are going to be black bears, baboons, zebras, wolves, lions so that kind of really gets you a, a scope um Of the different kinds of species that are imported. And for lions, almost all of them were captive lions and which all came from South Africa.
0: Yeah. So you've mentioned some of these animals and I, you know, you talked about bears and lions, of course, with Cecil, but I often think about elephants or rhinos that are killed for their body parts or for trophies. And aren't, why aren't those the most common? I mean, I tend to think of them as being commonly killed.
1: I'd say um, the the biggest reason is probably money, but it also depends on the fad of the industry, unfortunately, as well. Um, Trophy hunting is not a cheap activity. Um, Highly coveted and rare or dangerous species like elephants, rhinos, hippos, and others, um, they have a higher price tag on their head. So elephant trophy fees can cost anywhere from $30,000 to $50,000 for a single elephant, And that doesn't include the vacation trip, the airfare, the hotels, the taxidermy, shipping your trophy back to the United States. Um, So and when looking at it in that kind of sense, you know, hunters tend to go, well, you're going to hunt the cheaper animals more often. Right. And so that's why you get those big imports there. Um, But I also wanted to note lions did make that list because um, most of our imports were from the captive lion industry. And it is cheaper to hunt a captive lion than a wild lion. So they made that top list.
0: Well, Uh, talk about that, if you will, Sarah, just uh, briefly, when you say captive hunt or captive lions, what does that mean specifically? Because I think most people think, oh, they're hunting lions and they're out on the range, for lack of a better word, but they are in the wild. What is a captive hunt? And are these legal? So
1: captive hunts are where these lions are born and bred in facilities at ranches, and then they are hunted within enclosures. So they're easy to hunt. Uh, Hunting outfitters can advertise a guaranteed kill. Um, This isn't something that, you know, you may go out into the wild and, and not get a lion. If you're captive lion hunting, you're getting a lion. Um, and they're because they're born and bred for it. They're used to people. It's going to be re- relatively easy for a hunter to, to get a captive lion. And it is legal. Um, we've had quite a bit of backlash around captive lion in, um, hunting and the, the captive lion breeding industry. Uh, the fish and, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service walked back. Um, away from it a little bit. We've had the South Africa um, government even start to come out and say, you know what, this isn't good for conservation. It actually hurts the tourism industry and our reputation um, in our tourism industry. And so South Africa has promised to shut down the, the captive lion breeding industry, which includes that hunting
0: piece of it. Um, but we're still waiting to actually see that come to fruition. I. I'm curious about the demographics of hunters, like who are we talking about here? What are the numbers of hunters? Um, are these skilled hunters? I mean what's if you can kind of give me maybe an average profile or just talk a little bit about that? I'm curious about this community. I mean, is it a large number of people that would go out there and and participate in this?
1: Yeah, you would think because of the the number of animals that are being treated, you would think that there'd be a lot of trophy hunters out there, um, but actually no. no. Um, these horrific numbers are achieved by a very small group of people. Um, In a 2016 survey, um, U.S. participation in hunting was about 4%, um, and that includes all types of hunting. So the trophy hunters are an even smaller subset of that 4%. Um, And that's just insane to me that such a small sect of the U.S. public has such a big influence over our policy around threatened and endangered species. And so these people, like, as we were talking about it's, it costs a lot. So these are going to be wealthy Westerners, typically, that are trophy hunting, that are going abroad to bring back their trophies. Um, and they'll turn to these um, and they'll try to turn these sort of trophy hunting conventions and trips into family affairs, too. You see kids being brought to a lot of this. Um, and so we do see an age range uh, involved in the trophy hunting industry.
0: So are they, so you may have a family that's, you know, they're active trophy hunters and they're like grooming or teaching their children how to do this to, you know, follow in their footsteps, I guess.
1: Yep. Yep, absolutely. They're trying to uh, advance that culture of of trophy hunting and the acceptability and try to normalize it, which is a problem to normalize the killing of animals for fun, especially when so much um, suffering is involved in the actual hunt.
0: And is this, so what type of, I mean, obviously if you're participating in a captive hunt of a lion, you don't need much skill, but those I know are not all of the, the hunts that are taking place. I mean, are these, you know, skilled marksmen and I mean, very experienced hunters or, or what type of, what level of experience do these um, folks have that are doing this?
1: We've seen videos and reports from all skill levels, from unskilled all the way up to professional hunters. Um, but neither the good hunters nor the bad hunters is good news for the animals. Um, because for skilled and, for skilled hunters, um, their priority is a trophy, right? So they take as few shots as possible um, so, so as not to mess up the trophy. And they wait for the animal to bleed to death before they go and and acquire the the body. And then for unskilled hunters, you know the poor animals are suffering through multiple shots um, and often being wounded first. And Cecil is a really good example of that, where Cecil was shot with a bow and arrow in 2015, um, and he suffered for over 10 hours, wounded, before they were able to track him down um, and put him out of his misery. Um, so really, the you, you get the whole the whole kind of range of skill, but none of it is going to result in, in reducing suffering for animals.
0: Well, and I think that's a good point too, because it sounds like you're saying outside of the, uh, obviously over, you know, 70%, 75, 76% of Americans agree. This is, you know, um, pretty horrific that in addition to just killing something for its part, it also could be suffering based on, you know, if you have someone that's like Cecil the Lion that suffered for 10 hours, I mean, that's makes it even more unimaginable, I think, that people are doing this.
1: And not only that they're doing it, but there's there's an entire industry devoted to promoting it. Because um, like Safari Club International, a lot of the, the big hunting clubs and organizations, they create competitions where, and this kind of comes into the fad piece about why do you see certain animals hunted more than others, Um, these international organizations, hunting organizations, um, they promote certain animals and certain weapons through competitions. So they hold a record book and they could say, you need to hunt the African big five and you have to hunt at least one of them with a bow and arrow, and then you get this award and then you can build on the awards. If you get so many subcategories, you could be hunter of the year, award. And so they're promoting these very inhumane hunting practices, um which the majority of of hunters in America don't practice. um and then they're also really amplifying the demand
0: for certain animals through these competitions, yeah, just for for bragging rights for fun. And you mentioned Sarah, you talked a little bit about you've mentioned conservation. And I think many of our listeners, May know this, but we often hear that, oh, this is good for the animals ultimately. I mean, talk a little bit, if you will, briefly about conservation and the argument that game hunters use around that.
1: Yeah, they try to tell the lie um, that trophy hunting supports conversation, and they tell it in order to greenwash their industry and to try and trick the public and policymakers into supporting this this very gruesome kind of entertainment. Because the removal of these key animals, Right? Trophy hunting is targeting very specific animals, usually animals in their prime, they have the big mane, they have the impressive horns. These are, are, are important animals to their populations. Um, so the removal of these key animals is never going to be a good thing. Um, you'll hear the, indus- the, the hunters try and argue that it's actually the money from trophy hunting that goes back into conservation programs. And so that profit is worth that damage. Um, But one, we have other ways of funding conservation that doesn't involve the suffering of animals for fun. We certainly can turn to those other forms of of revenue. Um, And then two, there are so many studies out there that disproves the, the benefit, any sort of benefit from trophy hunting when it comes to conservation. And many of these studies are referenced in the report that we published.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you can certainly make a lot more money off of shooting with photography an animal time and time again, that same animal versus shooting one time and killing it.
1: Absolutely. And I hate to kind of reduce the value of an animal down to money. But unfortunately, that's how a lot of governments and industries think. Um, And so when you do look at it in that sort of capacity, um, you know, when you have uh, wildlife viewing tourism with an elephant, Over the lifespan of that elephant, you're getting about $1.6 million worth of revenue out of that elephant. But if you shoot a young elephant or an elephant in its prime, you only get part of that, and then that money stops. As soon as you shoot that elephant, you've lost all of that potential revenue, and you're only getting, like I said, the the $40,000 to $50,000 for that elephant when you could have been generating so much more money during the rest of that elephant's life.
0: Well, so what are what are a couple takeaways from the report? And I should mention that you can access this report at our website at humanesociety.org. But Sarah, give us a couple takeaways after reading the report, um, you know, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so the biggest takeaway, I think, um, is that the the global trophy hunting industry is largely driven by US hunters, um, uh, which means that the US government has the highest responsibility in ensuring that our hunting uh, trophy trade policies aren't hurting animals and conservation, um, but the U.S. is really lagging behind. Um, in no world should the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service be allowing the import of hunting trophies of threatened and endangered species, and yet, looking at this report, it clearly demonstrates that the U.S. is not only allowing it; they're the big, we're the biggest consumers, um, and so they, our government really needs to take responsibility for the impact that Americans are having um, on our our threatened and endangered species around the world and really live up to the the spirit behind the U.S. Endangered Species Act and protect them.
0: Well, and how, Sarah, because we know that uh, most people, overwhelmingly most people, oppose this. um, And I think, believe this is a horrific practice and will probably listen to this and say, what do I do? How do I get involved? What would you say to that listener or those listeners?
1: Absolutely. So first and foremost, you know, go to our uh, trophy hunting campaign website at hsi.org and learn more about the issue. Um, There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of impacts um, and a lot of components to a campaign like this. So definitely learn more. Um, And then also, though, the, the best thing you could do is to contact your state and federal representative and tell them that you want the import and export of hunting trophies Um, Of imperiled species to stop. Um, It really is important that you use your voice with your representatives to change U.S. policy. And in a previous role of mine, I worked in the U.S. Congress, and so I can tell you and promise you, your voice does make a difference. It is tracked, it is recorded. um, So please put that call in, send in that email, let them know that
0: they that they need to stop the import of imperiled species of hunting trophies. That's great. Well, and especially good to hear since you said that you did work in Congress. So you know firsthand that when a constituent calls their member of Congress or their senator and says, hey, I don't agree with this, I don't think we should be importing these um, trophies uh, that that uh, that matters, and representatives do want to hear for folks. So I think that's a a great uh, takeaway. Get involved. You know, read the report, learn more information. And Sarah, just thank you so much for being with us today on this incredibly interesting, of course, heartbreaking, but really critical topic. Um, and thanks for your works to keep animals off the wall and in the wild. And listeners, thank you for joining us today. Please come back for another episode of Humane Voices.